Numbers 6, verse 22 to 27. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, Speak to Aaron and his sons, saying, Thus you shall bless the people of Israel, and you shall say to them, The Lord bless you and keep you, and the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you, and the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. So they shall put my name upon the people of Israel, and I will bless them. morning everyone. Um, it's good to get to connect together again this morning. Thank you so much Mona for sharing those words. I love those words in the Bible. They're very famous. Uh, they've shaped hymns and music and liturgy and they're words of blessing and yet the concept of blessing can feel pretty much lost in our culture. If someone sneezes we say bless you and it's a kind of reflex polite thing. Or maybe if you see a cute baby, you'll say something like, oh, bless her little cotton socks. Which again is strange because you're not even blessing the baby, you're blessing the baby's socks. And yet the biblical concept of blessing is far different. It's not trite or woolly or cute. Actually in the Bible, speaking a blessing has power and substance. David Devonish explains that it's almost physical. You carry it with you like a possession. Think of Isaac blessing Jacob or Jacob blessing his 12 sons. You can read about that in the book of Genesis. To be blessed by God is to put yourself into God's hands to receive what he freely gives. You don't determine the terms of the blessings. It's not bargaining. It's not like saying, Lord, if you do this and I'll do that. Uh, no, to, to receive the blessing of God is to appeal to him for what you cannot do for yourself. It is to say, Lord, speak your word over me. Here is my need. I put my life in your hands. And his heart is generous. Every good gift comes from the Lord. And actually he knows what our good is better than we know ourselves. So that's the biblical idea of blessing. And the blessing in Numbers 6 has been spoken over the people of God week after week for thousands of years and continues to be so. And it's all about God's movement towards us and his action on our behalf. It, it's significant, in fact, because I don't know if you noticed, but the blessing is directly associated with the very name of God. When Mona read it out at the end, she told us that the priests are, are, are told to say this blessing over the people. And so shall they put my name upon the people of Israel and I will bless them. That's what God says. God's name is within the blessing. But before we look at the content of the blessing any further, it's really important that we understand where it fits in the biblical story. Always when we read the Bible, context is key. So th this blessing is recorded towards the beginning of the book of Numbers. The people of Israel are gathered around Mount Sinai. In fact, they've been there for about a year. And Moses has been receiving the law from God and giving instructions to the people. This is how you're to live, to be distinctive from the nations in order that you would be a blessing to the nations. But here they're just about to leave Mount Sinai after their 12 month stay. And they're about to head out into the wilderness towards the promised land. 
but it's a dangerous journey, threat on every side. And so before they go, the Lord gives the priests this blessing to speak over the people, not just once, but again and again throughout their journey. Now, the rest of the book of Numbers tells us what happens next. And to be honest, it's not very pretty. Not long into their journey, things start to go badly. Circumstances are tough and God's people keep turning away from him. And though he provides them with miraculous food and water coming from rocks and healing of diseases and delivery from danger, still time and again, the Israelites turn away from God and they refuse his word. And there's grumbling and there's faithlessness and there's rebellion. And God's judgment comes against their self-destructive ways. In his mercy, he brings judgment. But his blessing is not revoked from them and his name is not removed from them. In fact, towards the end of the book of Numbers, we meet a strange character called Balaam. You can read about him in chapters 22 to 24. And I'd suggest looking at those chapters later. It's fascinating. Balaam was like a pagan mystic with a prophetic insight. And he was bribed by the king of Moab, one of the neighboring peoples, to speak a curse over God's people because they were afraid of the Israelites. And so Balaam goes up to a very high place and he can see all of Israel camped out with their tents scattered along the wilderness. And as he looks upon God's people, God's failing, unfaithful people, he finds he cannot curse them. In fact, all that he can do is speak, speak blessings over these people. It's God stepping in the way of their curse and turning it to blessing. Because actually God's voice overrides every other voice. And his word is true. And his gifts are irrevocable. It tells us that in the book of Romans. And his promises are enduring. And even when his people are unfaithful, he remains faithful. Which is why later on in the Bible, in 2 Timothy 2 verse 13, it says, if we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot disown himself. So rewind back to number six, and we're with the people on the cusp of their journey, with all of that trouble and trial and treachery lying ahead. And in that context, God's blessing is spoken over his people. He moves towards them. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you. Another way of saying that would be the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. So shall they put my name on the people of Israel and I will bless them. This blessing communicates the Lord's name. And his name tells us who he is. And that name is placed on his people in binding commitment to them. He is theirs, they are his, whatever lies ahead. On the 9th of June, 2007, I married Becca. And uh, we spoke words of promise over one another. And in some way attached to the words that I spoke was my name. That day Becca went from being Rebecca Ann Clements to Rebecca Ann Blaber. It's a funny name, but it's the only one that I had. 
and and with my name came all that was mine which again in my case was really not very much at all in fact becca bought the dollar i bought very little but here here around mount sinai the lord speaks a blessing over his gathered people attaching his name to them and with it comes all that he is and this blessing is in the bible which is god's everlasting word so that it can continue to be spoken over the people of God wherever they are, in whatever circumstance, including us in this circumstance. If you're a follower of Jesus, who is the full revelation of the God of Israel, then God places his name on you and with it covenant promises of his blessing. That's one major part of what baptism is all about. Plunged into the name of God, and his covenant promises coming to us, we carry them with us, the name that's been placed on us. Perhaps you're just looking in though. Maybe you're not sure about all of this. I'm so glad you're here because this blessing tells us who God is, the God who is for you. So let's look at it. Notice that the blessing which carries the name of God has a threefold nature to it. It starts, the Lord bless you and keep you. It is the faithfulness and the action of the Lord God that provides the foundation for the blessing. He is able to bless and to keep, able to give good gifts and to protect what, he's been, what he has given. And our Heavenly Father loves to give good gifts to his children. I'm a father of children, father of daughters. And at this time of year, most days, uh, we hear the jingle of the ice cream van coming around our growth. And generally when that happens, it excites all kind of activity and lots of, please daddy, can I have one? And oftentimes I'll say, yes, let's have an ice cream. And what follows is jumping up and down and squirrels of excitement. And then swiftly after that, uh, ice cream all over the face. And that's just me. But actually, there's more than one ice cream van in our grove or that comes around our grove. And so within a few hours or maybe the next day, another jingle will be there. And the questions will be asked again, can I have another ice cream? And oftentimes I need to say no, because too much will make them sick. God is a provider and a protector. He knows what we need and he knows how much. He knows what will do us good and what will make us sick? We have a good, good father committed to us. Imagine those people of Israel gathered around Sinai on the cusp of going into the wilderness. Imagine the comfort that these words, the Lord bless you and keep you, would have brought them. It did not guarantee that circumstances would always feel comfortable. It does not guarantee that we'll always see what God is doing. His perspective is bigger than ours, but his word is true and he fights for you, not against you. The next part of the threefold blessing goes like this. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The great gift of God to us is the gift of his son. Jesus is the face of God. The Bible says he's the radiance of the Father's glory. He is the bright shining revelation of God. 
says in John's gospel, when you've seen him, you've seen the father, like father, like son. And in the face of Christ, we see the smile of God, perfect in holiness, constant in compassion, mighty in word and in deed. And just as on that day when Balaam tried to bring a curse and the Lord turned it to blessing, so God in the person of Christ takes our curse and makes it a blessing. We already heard about that earlier when Richard shared. At the cross, Galatians 3.13 tells us that Jesus himself redeemed us from the curse of the law. He took on himself our self-destructive nature. Because we all, like the people of Israel, are prone to wander, prone to self-destructive habits, attitudes, impulses, all of us in desperate need of grace. And he gives himself to us. He is the blessing. And in place of our curse, we receive his blessedness and are called beloved children of God. Now risen from the tomb, Jesus speaks and welcomes you. He is the shining face of the grace of God. And then the third part of this threefold blessing says the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. This is speaking of the presence of God going with you. And it is the spirit of God who ministers the peace of God to us so that we can know it by experience. We so need him. The presence of God journeying with us. As we travel through life, often it can feel a bit like a wilderness. Threat seeming on every side, particularly at the moment. There's loneliness, there's financial uncertainty, there's fragile health, there's disturbing news stories. It is he, the spirit of God, who restores shalom, well-being, wholeness. How? It is ever the work of the Holy Spirit to reveal who Jesus is to us, because in Jesus all things are made new. It is the spirit who shines in our hearts to give us, as it says in 2 Corinthians, the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ, the face that has turned towards you to be gracious to you. It is the spirit who helps us to know how secure we are in him and reassures us that our future is resurrection just as Christ is risen from the dead. May you know this very hour, the presence of the Holy Spirit, bringing you peace, showing you who your saviour is and how much he is for you. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. This threefold blessing carries the name of God, who is Father and Son and Holy Spirit. One name, threefold in beauty. To have his name placed on us is to carry every blessing. It is to know the God who will never leave you nor forsake you, who will be with you through every trial, who will forgive your sin as you turn in repentance, who provides your needs as you look to him, who brings wholeness and peace and will bring you safely to himself and work all things together for your good. Do you know, we can pray this prayer 
ourselves in our devotional times and through it ask God to show us who he is and what it means to carry his name. Remember your baptism. Remember how the name of the Lord has been placed on you. And if you're a follower of Jesus and you've not yet been baptized, the time will come when we can gather. And when that happens, let's get that sorted. Also, I'd encourage you, though, to pray this over your household, maybe at dinner time or maybe at bedtime. I often pray this over my children if they're going to bed. They can all recite it themselves now. I want them to know the name that's being placed on them, that they might live in the knowledge of who God is. And then as they go out to the world, carry his name to be a blessing to those who are around them. Why don't we speak it over our small groups, over Oasis Church? And why don't we, like Aaron and the priests, stand in the gap and pray it over our city, over our nation? Not that we're approving all the goings on that happens in the city and the nation, but that we're asking that God would make himself known so that this city and this nation may turn to him. We're going to hear now from Beth Davis, who's going to give a testimony of what it's mean, meant for her in one part of her life to know something of the blessing of a good, good father. Hello, my name's Beth. Um, for those of you who don't know me, I'm married to Gareth and we have two daughters. And I just wanted to share a story about um, when God has particularly blessed us. So a few years ago, um, Gareth and I decided to go to Kenya for six months. And I gave up my job and something that enabled us to go was that Gareth's job was kept open for him to return to when he came back. Um, incidentally, God had been speaking to us quite clearly around that time about the idea of praying for the maximum and not the minimum. Um, and I want to make it clear that this wasn't in a prosperity gospel way, but it was the idea of that we didn't need to go to him cap in hand. Um, kind of asking for scraps but that he wanted us to pray and ask him for what we really really wanted uh, it doesn't mean he was going to give it to us but um, he wanted us to come to him as a loving father who loved to bless us so we started trying to pray in that way um, so while we were then in Kenya Gareth got an email to say that he'd made redundant he'd been made redundant which was a little bit scary because as I said I didn't have a job and we'd used most of our savings to go to Kenya in the first place so it was a bit stressful um, but again we thought God's told us to pray for the maximum and not the minimum so we started praying for jobs um, trying to think about although we were prepared to do any job that was offered to us uh, of course, everyone needs to pay the bills. We, we thought, OK, we'll really try and pray for what we would really like. And amazingly, when we got home with not a lot of money to our name, um, God gave us jobs within a week. Within a week, we'd both got jobs. And um, Gareth had got a job in a graphic design agency where he continues to work to this day. And I was given an amazing opportunity to work with survivors of human trafficking, which was something that I'd really wanted to do. Um, for a while and was quite passionate about but it's quite difficult to get into. Um, I was really conscious of sharing this story at the moment with lots of people having uh, uncertainty and stressful situations around jobs but I really felt like I wanted to share it because while there is massive honour in taking any job that's available um, 
I also felt that God wanted to remind us that he's our loving father and he loves to bless us and to give us the maximum and not the minimum. So, yeah, thanks. Thanks so much, Beth. It's so great to hear and be reminded of that truth. God is for us. He doesn't want to just give us scraps. He wants to give us the maximum.